This is your KVNF Regional Newscast for Wednesday, February 21st. I'm Lisa Young. The U.S. Postal Service is considering investing in millions of dollars of upgrades at the Processing and Distribution Center in Grand Junction. However, they're also looking to move some of the facility's processing operations to Denver. The proposed changes could result in job losses and possibly delay some mail delivery, reports the Grand Junction Sentinel. The Postal Service says it plans to invest 6 to $8 million into the proposed local processing center in Grand Junction for modernization, deferred maintenance, and new processing automation equipment. The Postal Service estimates the operational changes would result in $2.2 million to $3 million a year in combined transportation maintenance and mail processing savings. Colorado House of Representatives will consider a joint resolution this Friday to rename the Highway 50 bridge coming into Delta from Grand Junction as the Brigadier General Felix Sparks Memorial Bridge. The resolution was introduced in part by Representative Matt Soper of Delta. Sparks was a famous resident of Delta who made a significant contribution to the peace, safety, and welfare of Colorado and the United States as a World War II war hero. He helped liberate Dachau concentration camp. He also served as the District Attorney of Colorado's 7th Judicial District and was the longtime director of the Colorado Water Conservation Board. If the resolution is approved, a dedicated ceremony will take place in the fall. The developer behind Fairfield Inn and Suites by Marriott Montrose is planning a second brand name hotel at the Colorado Outdoors campus, reports the Montrose Daily Press. Lamont Companies presented the plan at the Montrose Urban Renewal Authority meeting, saying they plan to break ground in 2025. The developer's initial presentation cited plans for a 90-room hotel and noted their market research has determined Montrose can sustain at least this many rooms with current demand. The hotel will be located near the Marriott on the northern end of the Colorado Outdoors campus. The estimated cost of construction is nearly $19 million, with estimated gross revenue of over $4 million per year once the location stabilizes. Amachi, the former Japanese incarceration camp in Colorado, is now officially part of the national park system. KUNC's Emma Vandenindi reports on what survivors and descendants have to say. At its peak, the camp housed more than 7,000 Japanese Americans during the 1940s. They were forced to live behind barbed wire in poorly insulated rooms. Carlene Tinker was at Amachi when she was three years old. My first reaction was, Finally. Okay, finally. Mitch Homa's dad was imprisoned at the camp and eventually died there. He reflected on what his dad would have said about the news. They didn't care about us in 1942, and I don't think enough people cared about us then. And now it's happening, and, you know, it's pretty special. Amachi is open to the public. There will be an official ribbon-cutting ceremony in May. For KUNC, I'm Emma Vandenindy. Competition for water on the Colorado River is intense, and there's just not enough to go around. So when a large volume is up for negotiation, it draws in some powerful players and big money. KUNC's Alex Hager reports for the Mountain West News Bureau on one deal coming together in Colorado. Amy Moyer is standing under a busy highway, pinched in a dramatic snow-covered canyon. On one side, the rushing Colorado River churns with whitewater. On the other, a chain-link fence blocks off a building that looks like a warehouse with electrical wires and big metal pipes coming out of it. It is 
a nondescript brown building off of I-70 that most people don't notice when they're driving. Moyer is with the Colorado River District. But if you are in the water world, it holds the key for one of the most interesting and important water rates on the Colorado River. This is the Shoshone Hydroelectric Facility. And even though it uses a lot of water, it returns every drop back to the Colorado River. And that means it's not just a hydropower plant. It spins through the turbines and then goes back into the river to be used for habitat, to be used for recreation, to support cool, clean water for drinking water and uh, productive agriculture on the West Slope. Shoshone is a big reason why water keeps flowing to cities and farms along the river in Colorado. Moyers Group is a taxpayer-funded agency founded to protect western Colorado water. It's spending big bucks to buy the rights to the water and lease it right back to the power company, XL Energy, all to make sure that water keeps flowing even if the power plant goes offline. It's so much more than we're going to spend $100 million to do nothing. We're keeping uh, the native flows in the river for so many benefits on the West Slope. Moyers Group isn't just keeping water here, they're keeping it away from the people on the other side of the mountains. Fast-growing cities and suburbs around Denver get their water supply piped over from the Colorado River. For decades, western Colorado has been anxious that their east side neighbors will snatch up the plant's water for themselves. So even with a $98.5 million price tag, buying Shoshone is a huge sigh of relief for the western slope. And the biggest beneficiary? Anything that results in more water in the river is good for fish. Further downstream in Grand Junction, Dale Ryden with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service looks out over a murky, meandering stretch of the Colorado River, home to endangered fish. It's a competition between people, between agriculture, between recreation, and between the natural world to all try to survive and coexist. By buying the Shoshone water right, the River District is trying to take some of the heat out of that competition. And it's already working. Tina Bergenzini runs the Grand Valley Water Users Association. We can't have farming without taking care of those fish. It, they go hand in hand. The Endangered Species Act says people who use water from the river are legally required to leave enough behind for fish. If they don't, they have to turn off their own sprinklers. So if the water from Shoshone keeps flowing where fish need it most, farmers and ranchers don't have to worry. I think peace of mind is the number one most important thing. It's just peace of mind of knowing that we're going to be able to divert. It's not every day that a big money Western water deal brings together fish lovers and farmers, not to mention about 20 other local governments and nonprofits that pledge their support and money for the Shoshone purchase. Lauren Riss is the state's top water official. I don't expect that there's going to be um, entities or individuals that come out of the woodwork, you know, vocalizing any strong opposition to us moving forward in this way. Access to water is a hotly debated topic around the region, and any kind of deal that gives a lot of people some decades-long security about who gets to use it, that's going to get a big base of support. Again, the River District's Amy Moyer. I think now more than ever, there is a desire to look for long-term permanent solutions on the Colorado River, and this is one that exists for Colorado. In a time of deep uncertainty about the river, this big money deal lets at least some water users put to bed decades of worry. In Glenwood Springs, Colorado, I'm Alex Hager. This story is part of the ongoing coverage of the Colorado River, produced by KUNC and supported by the Walton Family Foundation. For more on water in our region, join us tonight for Local Motion at 6 p.m. for an interview with Cheryl Swillick. 
from the Upper Gunnison River Conservancy District. Swillock talks about restoring wetlands in the Upper Gunnison River Basin using Z-Dike structures. That's your KVNF Regional Newscast. I'm Lisa Young.